0: charter we have decided to adopt it to review it but also what is very important is that we and last year, almost so one month five years after to the have the an engagement with we all the decided districts to adopt what to review the free it. state but also to make sure that we get the views and the inputs from our communities from the grassroots level women particularly it was very much interested in making the inputs in this event, in this in this document, and making sure that we address some of the areas that are not necessarily being addressed. Particularly from the free state, there was a specific issue that came out very strong. It was the fact that the 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 women's charter is very silent about issues of women in sports in particular and also that the women of the free state felt that we need to, to develop uh, the skills and capacity of our women, but also we need to, and to make sure that we create opportunities for those women that have been capacitated, because we, can, we cannot be uh, busy forever with building and trying to build capacity but not making sure that there is opportunities for women to use the capabilities and the capacity that we have actually invested in them. So it was quite interesting. It was really wonderful to have that engagement with all the women over the districts in the free state, but also to listen to the to the report of the uh, the Commission on Gender Equality, but also to hear the plans and also the 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 programs and the projects that is currently being run within the municipalities, within the districts of the free state. I I was quite impressed with Fezele Dabe District uh, for the for the, the planning that they had, particularly areas of tourism and particularly areas of industrial development and so on. I not only derby, but I remember the issue of culture that also was something that strongly came out from the free state, so we as the as parliament whilst we are busy with our program, we appreciate the fact that there is a lot of interest, particularly from the leadership
1: yeah, because this, this, will be, yeah. this will be yes i am um, um, if- Sorry to interrupt you, but someone's mic is unmuted and we are hearing a lot of noise. You are being interrupted in the process when you are speaking. We can't hear you clearly.
0: It it might be that it is my own grandchildren that
1: is running around here.
0: So uh, if anyone else's mic is not muted, please mute so that we can be able to. Thank you, Honourable Makauzi. So... And you have really taken me a little bit away. You know, we are not young anymore. We don't remember everything. (laughs) But thank you very much for the fact that there is so much interest from the leadership of the Free State. This is a high-level engagement of today after we have engaged all the grassroots uh, structures because from the Free State, there were also community-based structures and NGOs and women in culture, women in mining, people that have have taken interest in our sessions, and we were able to have a comprehensive engagement with the women of the Free State. So today we are having this high level engagement for us to be able to discuss with the leadership what we have learned from the Free State and also get their input as to how they are responding to the issues that we have been, that we have actually found within the Free State. So, with all of that said and done, I will give over to the Deputy Speaker of the Free State Province, Mayor Mapena, to do the welcoming remarks. Thank you. Over to you, Mayor Lucy Mapena.
2: Thank you very much, Honourable Chairperson, and good, good afternoon to all Honourable Members. It's really good to see you again after a very long time. Honorable Chairperson, this meeting takes place at a time when women in general are, are, faced, are still faced with triple challenges of poverty, inequality, and unemployment, in particularly young women. We have seen during this COVID time many, many loss lost of job losses, and when the job is lost, especially from us as women, it's really creating a serious challenge on us. Women still find themselves on, on periphery of mainstream economy, which is still dominated by male counterparts in this era of the democracy. The country has, has not moved much in realizing equality of women, both in workplace and in the society. This is this is despite good policies we have in place, we take which lack proper implementation. Chaperson, you will agree with me that we really have very, very good policies, but coming to the implementation part part of it, we are still having a challenge on it. This platform is therefore set to to say, to to is is, is therefore safe as the as, as way to deeply analyse weaknesses. Achievements and challenges experienced since the adoption of Women's Charter Review in 1994. It seeks to evaluate the performance of democracy, of the democratic government and structure, is in relation to empowering women and how women are assisted from being emancipated from shackles of poverty, unemployment, and inequality. It is also important to take note that our country has ratified all various protocols and, and treatises to both internationally and regionally, which are aimed at furthering gender equality and in, in empowerment. We are therefore called upon in ensuring that all these treaties are implemented through the national gender machinery, which was mainly established to take forward gender equality mainstreaming for the realization of gender equality. In conclusion, Honourable Chairperson, we take note that uh, we take note of challenges forwarded by by various districts through the country and and commit a way forwarding in addressing them, by also focusing on other spheres of government to evaluate the performance with regards, with regard to women empowerment and equality through this kind of information sharing session and in re, in, in recognition of Belgian platforms that talks about issue of equality. I thank you, Chairperson.
0: Thank you very much, Deputy Speaker, for the welcoming remarks. We are with uh, the stakeholders that have been with us all the time, so we will then still use the very same stakeholders that have been very, very uh, uh, important in our uh, engagement with the women. And with that said and done, we will then allow the Gender Commissioner, Commissioner Dibbile Matupi, or Gertrude Matupi, as I know her, to continue to brief you on the state of gender and gender transformation in the province. Over to you, Honorable Commissioner Gertrude.
3: Thank you, uh, Honorable Deputy Chair of the NCOP. Chair, I I I would go straight to the presentation. I would not uh, waste any time with outlining our mandate as the commission. I I hope and believe that everyone on this platform understands and knows the mandate of the commission. We we have been conducting gender mainstreaming programs within municipalities throughout the country, and the key objective of this uh, chair is to assess progress made by local government in achieving gender equality through gender transformation, gender mainstreaming, uh, through, sorry, gender transformation and gender mainstreaming. And uh, also to build capacity of municipality in development of plans, policies, strategies, practices, and culture that promotes gender equality and women empowerment. We, I must start with the provincial government, Chair, because I had already made presentation on municipalities. And my apologies for having not recognized my, my leadership of the province, Chair. I acknowledge the presence of the deputy speaker and the MECs present in this uh, platform. Chair, the provincial government of the free state does not paint a very... Nice picture in terms of gender representation, in particular on senior management level. The report that we have uh, tells us that the Department of Premier has got 51% representation of males, and the 49% is females. Human settlement is 60% males and 40% females. Department of Economic Development Tourism. Environmental Affairs and Small Business Development is 61% male and 39% female. Provincial Treasury is 68% males and 32% females. Department of Health is 68% males and 32% females. Department of Education is 76 males and 76% sorry and 24% females. And the Department of Social Development is 36% males and 64% females. This paints a picture that really reflects on the kind of society that we come from that is influenced by a patriarch. And Cocta is 76% males and 24% females. Uh, public works is 58% males and 42% females. Police roads and transport is 79% males, 21% females. And our government garage is 100% males. Sports, uh, arts, culture, and recreation is 60% males and 40% females. And agriculture is 66% males and 34% females. I thought I should uh, give this information to paint a picture of what who takes the decisions within the Free State Provincial Government Administration. And uh, Chair, moving to the work we're doing in the province within municipalities, I had already reported that we've had uh, some work in Les in Masilo-Nyana. I won't mention all the municipalities. However, I must still mention here, Chairperson, that we have one uh, challenge with uh, all municipalities and some provincial government departments, Uh, the, 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 the lack of commitment. And we have a challenge of lack of understanding of the mandate of the Commission for Gender Equality. Because if people understood the mandate of the Commission for Gender Equality, we would not be having problems that we are experiencing at municipalities where people decide if they would want to meet with the commission, if they would want to provide information as required by the commission. Um, Chair, during the initial phase of gender mainstreaming uh, program in the province, we analysed uh, municipal IDPs and budgets uh, and plans. And uh, chairperson, the following municipalities uh, were part of the program: that is Masilonyana, Tukuloro, Letsimeng, Mangawu, Metro. <clears throat> Chair, we have uh, embarked on a full program for gender mainstreaming in Machaden, Fezile, Dabi, Mezima, Holo, and Setoto municipalities. We have identified the following weaknesses in terms of municipal IDPs throughout the province. Uh, That IDPs have serious weaknesses when it comes to meeting the requirements of gender mainstreaming because they are based on national frameworks and eggs, that have no gender perspectives. And those are the IDP Framework Guide, Municipal Systems Act, Municipal Structures Act, Municipal Finance, Management Act, White Paper on Local Government. We we have also identified that none of the municipalities in the province have a gender policy that guides incorporation of gender perspective in the systems, policies, plans, budgets, programs, and projects of municipalities. Mm. And uh, we have also realized that uh, since municipalities are experiencing financial difficulties, chair, they, when they cut their budgets, gender programs become the culprit. That's where they start cutting first. And therefore, progress is, cannot be uh, seen because every time they have problems, that's where they cut. Even if they have problems in terms of human resources, that's the one that will lack in municipalities that we we have been with we have also picked up that um, people who are doing the who agenda gender focal persons within our municipalities are overburdened with work they are not dealing specifically with uh, gender they are either some of them PAs to mayors or they are secretaries to some uh, department within the municipality and mm. therefore their attention goes to the other, uh, the initial uh, position for which they were appointed within the municipality. Most of the municipalities in the province, even though they mention employment equity plans, we cannot find the employment equity plans anywhere, even when we ask them to hand them to us. We are mindful of the fact that municipalities. Um, support re, so, sorry, submit reports to the Department of Labor. Uh, and this report, even though the Department of Labor acknowledges receives and approves them, they are still lacking in terms of ensuring that there is uh, equity in the employment. Uh, sorry about that. We have picked up from a number, I, I'll only pick a, a few municipalities, chair, in the interest of time. We've picked up that in Machadeng there is there is 80% of a male domination of the, managed, of the senior management of the municipality. And we are trying to engage the municipality, but like I said, it's one of those municipalities where we are having problems with uh, engagements because they keep, Postponing meetings, or else they would not even uh, respond to our requests for meetings. Um, Fazile the chairperson, had even raised issue a few issues. We had also we had said even our in our report that there is a move uh, in Fazile Dabi towards ensuring that gender mainstreaming is is being realised, and uh, their IDPs are an indication thereof because they include most of the issues which are pertinent to gender mainstreaming within plans of municipalities. Um, In in Pumelala, like most of the other municipalities, there is a problem with uh, 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 the commission getting access to the executive of the municipality. We do not know the reasons, but people would keep postponing or either not respond at all to our uh, requests uh we, Chair, I should uh, mention here that uh, I also thank the NCOP, uh, Chair. After the session, we did receive information from room, uh that we had said we've been requesting since 2019. And uh, the information itself, the report itself, we can share with the NCOP if needs be. It does not look so good because the representation of females in the senior management of the municipality is lacking. And the response the municipality has given us is that they are waiting for nature to take its course for women and people with disabilities to be appointed in senior management positions. We do not know whether nature taking its course means people going on pension or people dying. We do not know, but that's what the report says. We've had a uh, substantive investigative hearings, uh, sorry, uh, on substantive equality, even with uh, the private sector. The clopper's uh, shop was called in for the hearing, and uh, we uh, realized that they lack in terms of transformation, and their management is purely male white dominated and the reasons they cite for that is that it's a family business and therefore it becomes very difficult for them to change it but we are hopeful that because we are engaging with them we are hopeful that in due course we'd be able to convince them otherwise. We also had uh, hearings with uh, a Mangawung municipality Uh, which identify that people with disabilities are also underrepresented, not just at a management level, but at all levels within the municipality. And we've also identified that there are no mechanisms, specific mechanisms or systems in place to track movement of women and people with disabilities within the municipality. Uh, We have also had uh, hearings a chairperson with uh, shelters for uh, abused women. And uh, one of the issues that we identified were that uh, in the free state, there are very few uh, shelters. In Kwakwa, for instance, big cities with the number of cases of uh, GBV, they have only one shelter, according to the report that we have. We have also identified that there is a general lack of safety within shelters in the Free State Province uh, from those shelters that we had on our uh, database and that we we, we 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 called to the hearings. We also, Chair, identified that there is a problem because the Department of Social Development in the province, there is no costing model for shelters. Therefore, the virtual budget determines funds for each shelter. And it was also observed that uh, the department has failed to implement, to implement no longer judgment, which speaks directly to the funding of shelters. We also had hearings. This is the last uh, slide, Chair. We've also had hearings with Tertiary uh, colleges um, and um, the one we called for free state was Muteo Tivet, and during the hearing, it was recorded that Motel Tivet College does not have any policies, and this process this process this poses a challenge in terms of tracking compliance and accountability by the college itself. The Tivet relies on the Department of Education to provide policies. They can they do not. Uh, make their own policies, which are relevant to the institution and the province they are in. There are no lecture restraints in sign language. And and, and, uh, there is also no fair representation of other races within the management of the college. Uh, It's only uh, black Africans. And uh, there were no people with disabilities employed by the college at the time of the hearings, which was November last year in 2019 years. And uh, the people who are employed by the college, your lecturers and the admin staff, they are not remunerated according to actual work that they do at the college. Chairperson, this uh, the, uh, we we had uh, mentioned uh, during the presentations on specific municipalities that we've had uh, legal and outreach uh, clinics within the free state in a number of municipalities where we raise awareness on divorce and the rights of women, child maintenance, and uh, we raise awareness on LGBTQIA plus communities. And uh, we've we, 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 we picked up that there is a general problem of gender-based violence, which has a direct link to poverty of women within communities. And there's also another problem within the Free State Province that was raised in other uh, outreach uh, programs that we had of a uh, forced child marriage or Ukutwala as, as it is known. So this is the report share that, uh, that we've presented for today because we had already given a, pre- a, a presentation. I was just trying to give a bedside view of the situation in the province. I thank you.
0: Thank you very much, uh, Commissioner, and I must say, it is quite a comprehensive report and a lot of work has been done ever since we started with the municipalities and I think it is giving a very honest reflection on the gender situation within the province. We are having the acting premier and other and, and, and and leadership of the government in this event, so I think we will discuss it further. But we also have uh, quite a few of the members from the NCOP, particularly in this uh, event on this platform. So uh, we will, uh, in the end, uh, a little, just uh, a little bit allow them also to make input or to uh, ask some clarities. But we will not, we we usually don't do it in this session, but I think it will also assist them to understand better. So. We will continue and we, we really want to express appreciation for this comprehensive report that we, uh, that we have received now. And we will then go to the statistician general, I see they have indicated that you will be here, but whoever is representing the statistician general will now continue and give us more information about the Free State province. Thank you.
4: Uh, good evening, ma'am. It's uh, Neil Hui speaking. Um, on, sorry, on so
5: you've been with us all the time.
0: Thank you very much. Also for for the patience and the fact that you've been with us right from the start. Neil,
4: over. No, to it's me. absolutely my pleasure, ma'am. Um, the Statistician General, Rasinga Malaleke has just asked me to please apologise on his behalf. Unfortunately, uh, we received this invitation quite late, and he was already committed to other meetings. Um, so he's asked me just to do a presentation um which I'll take you through. I trust all of you have received the presentation so um and if i if I remember correctly, we don't present it, so I'm just gonna talk to it uh, ma'am if I'm correct okay um uh, good afternoon, colleagues. Um, I'm going to talk to you the presentation, uh, a the perspective on um, a perspective on statistics of, uh, from from Statistics South Africa on the Free State province. Um, we've done a similar presentation in Northern Cape, um, and uh, so some of you might have seen it, um, but. We we tried to adapt it to, to the Free State Province uh, and to the various other provinces that we'll hopefully do this presentation or similar presentation at. I think the very first thing, um, if I can go to the next slide, please. I don't know if I'm controlling it. Um, sorry, just sorry, technical no. issues. Sorry, Neil.
5: I'll just do it in the um, not in full slide mode.
4: Okay, thank you, Kevin. Can I continue, Kevin, or are you going to present it? Okay, excellent. Uh, Kevin, could I go to the next slide, please? Okay, as you can see, um, colleagues, we are about 59.6 million people, just shy of 60 million people in uh, mid-year 2020. That's the 1st of July this year, based based on our mid-year estimates. Um, so the population is growing. Even um, if you go to the next slide, please. The Free State, as you can see, is the second uh, smallest province um, population-wise, at least uh, in South Africa, with a with about a population of just shy of uh, three million people. That is about uh, 4.9% of the um, of the total country's um, population. If you go to the next slide, um, Uh sorry, just that one. Um, As as per usual, the population um, in in a free state, and this is probably true of of most populations and and also other provinces in the country, uh, females predominate about 51.7% of um, the whole population are female uh, compared to the rest, of course, which is about 48.3%. Now, this is quite normal um, because normally at birth, and this is just a a small demographic insight normally at birth more males than females are born about 105 males to about 100 uh, females are born give or take you know the ratio this um, um, changes uh, slightly from from year to year however you know males uh, pass away quicker you know their life expectancy is not as long as females um, life expectancy so particularly by old age you know by the 40s and 50s and particularly during old age you find that there are many more females in a in a particular population and this is also true of populations like um, like the free state. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, so looking at the total population, um, the just shy 2.93 um, million um, people, it's distributed um, as such as this slide um, across the, the province. Uh, 29% of the province or 50% of the province, rather, uh, of the province's population, You'll find the Mangaung, which of course makes sense. You know, it's the it's the metro and probably also the magnet for most uh, most of the population. Uh, then you've got about that's 26 percent, about a quarter in Tabu Mofetsonjana, and then the smallest one is the Harare province of only 4.4 percent. Um, is only about 127,000. So consider it's a wide distribution. You know, uh, very similar um, for for. You now, for the top three at least, and then you've got one very, very small uh, district municipality. Next one, uh, Kevin. Now, the other thing, you know, besides, of course, the sex uh, distribution uh, which we've spoken about that's important and the geographical distribution that we've just uh, showed now is, of course, the age distribution. And as you can see, if you look across uh, South Africa as a whole, about 9.9% um, of the whole free state's um, population were aged 60 years and older. In other words, they were elderly. And you can assume that many or at least most of these will be um, females. Um, children uh, below the age of 15 uh, will be 31% of the of the population. Um, that is compared if you have a look at uh, South Africa's, it's slightly higher than the South African average. But I think very, very importantly, youths and adults uh, comprise about 59%. And again, uh, there you'll probably find a a very similar uh, percentage of males and females. Uh, Next slide, please. Uh, In terms of, uh, and this is a a slide that looks at the household composition and particularly where children live. You know, we all know that in South Africa, we've got a lot of broken homes. We know what the impact of migration has been Uh, historically, you know, the patterns that were created by apartheid with um, labor force migration. And one of the ways in which, which we can visualize this impact and this uh, standing impact is by looking at who children live with. Uh, we find if you look at, um, at at the free state that about 21% of children, uh, and this is according to the general household survey, did not live, and that's a one fifth, that's quite a large percentage. They did not live with either their mother or fathers. About 41% lived with only their mother and then about 33% uh, lived with both um live with both the um both the parents and you can see that only about 3.8% live with only um the father so the majority of 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 children um you know about 40% of them the largest percentage live with both the mothers and fathers now the reason why this is important is of course it it the family is a way of socializing of 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 teaching people um the rules and norms and mores of a of a particular society and you know, growing up without that society also has the impact of of growing up have a larger uh, have a larger um, probability of growing up in in, in poverty. Um, so, uh, one of the only ways, for instance, to, to teach a boy, for instance, you know how to how to um, behave himself, you know, around girls and in community and so forth, would be to you know raise him with a strong uh, mother figure. Now. I don't think the slide is in here, but this is why it's important also um, to note another slide that, that we um, use from time to time, and that is that many, many children actually grow up in uh, what we call skip generation households, and that's with their grandmothers. Um, so that's also um, something important to, to, to realize. Uh, next slide, please. I think moving from, from, from the previous slide, we go to employment, and we can go to the next slide immediately. Um, there are a number of categories in employment, of course, uh, official unemployment and um, not economically active persons and the labour force. Now, I think the most important one to have a look here is that there are about um, 500,000 um, people in the free state that are, um, that are unemployed. And that's about 38.4% um, based on the official unemployment rate. And that's about, um, of about 1.9 million people that are of working ages. In other words, 15 to 64 years of age. If you go to the next slide, we can see that, uh, the free state has got the second highest, um, unofficial unemployment rate. Um, it is, uh, at like, like we've said, it is at 38.4%. And this is just below the 40.5% um, of the Eastern Cape. Of course, this is official rate. If you look at the uh, the expanded unemployment rate, uh, you can see it's 44.5%, which is um, slightly higher than the the Northwest, um, but still lower than than the Eastern Cape. So it's not good territory to be in, of course. Uh, Next slide, please. Um, One of the big drivers, of course, of poverty is unemployment, um, because if people don't bring in money in any way, shape, or form, and I would say they either don't work, they don't have their own farms, they don't have their own businesses they don't have a means of making money of course you know it's very very likely um that it's going to lead to um to poverty now about 36.2 percent of the free state population is considered poor based on a lower based poverty line um that's a kind of a money metric poverty line which which takes to account the income that um that, that people and households are earning uh, the next slide Uh, if we go to the next slide. Okay, the next slide just shows these cutoff rates. Uh, these are for 2020 prices, so they were adjusted. Um, and the lower bound poverty line, you can see we're talking about 840 rands per person uh, per month. So, uh, 36% of, of, of individuals earned or lived in households that earned less than that um, per capita. But you can also see there are two other poverty lines. There's the upper bound poverty line, which is a slightly uh, higher income. 1268 and then we've got a food poverty line which is really um, indicated the bare necessities that you need in order to buy a a nutritious um, you know meal every day and that's only 585 rand. so if we go to the next slide you'll see that this of course makes a huge difference Uh, about 54.9% of people um, in the free state fell behind fell below the upper bound poverty line so they were considered poor based on a rather high 1,300-odd rands. The lower bound poverty line, as I've mentioned, is only about 36.2. That's still more than one-third of the total population. And then, of course, um, the food poverty line is only about, only, in inverted commas, 21%. And that's, of course, people who are highly susceptible to, um, to, to food scarcity, to hunger, and you know, to malnutrition, and various other things that go with it. If you go to the next slide, please. Now, as one could expect, and this is something that we find uh, across all provinces in uh, in the country, and uh, I mean, this is probably a, a generalized rule across the world, is that female-headed households um, have higher levels of poverty. Um, in a free state specifically, we find that about 37.3% of female-headed households were poor compared to about 35%, uh, 35.1% of male-headed households. And this could even be larger in, in some districts You know that, that we've shown. Um, in rural areas here you know, this could even be worse. Uh, the next slide uh, really just shows the correlation between um education and poverty. And as you can expect, um there is a there's a inverse or a or a, or a um, as we say in academics it will probably be an inverse correlation between education and um and, and poverty or um in that people with no schooling have a much higher um, chance or likelihood of being poor than people who've got some kind of higher education, secondary education. So, as you can see here, uh, as people's education actually improves, their chances of being poor um, actually decreases. Now, of course, um, there are a lot of things that works into this, you know, whether they leave um, rural areas, because um, often, you know, education doesn't really help you to obtain a job. But in general, I think it shows the the, the real importance of um, getting people to get educated and to get educated in the right fields, you know that can be um, applied. Um, so a very, very important slide by itself. The next slide, um, the next slide uh, shows the multi-dimensional um, nature of poverty. We have up to now, we've spoken about money metric poverty and others we've measured people's uh, income um, using uh, income expenditure surveys and, and, and uh, living conditions surveys. But there are also other ways to measure it because money is sometimes a bit misleading, particularly if people perhaps live in rural areas where they can generate um, a livelihood in in another way. Now, in that case, for instance, we're looking at a number of different dimensions. We're looking at health, education, for instance, years of schooling, uh, the living standards in terms of whether people have access to lighting, heating, cooking, uh, water, sanitation, and so forth, and also economic activity, whether they're unemployed. If we go to the next slide, we can see um, that using the SAMPI, that's the South African multi-dimensional um, poverty index, we can see that uh, free states' poverty index is actually a bit lower than that um, of um, of South Africa as a whole. So it's roughly in the right uh, right area, and also it's been declining. Uh, well, we will see in the next slide, but there's been a generalised decline in South Africa um, since 2001. Uh, to about 2016, uh, when uh, the last community survey was done. The next slide uh, is really just a background slide. It just shows us how this uh, poverty index is is put together. And it shows, um, and we've spoken about employment before, it shows us that employment or unemployment in this case is a very, very important part of this. So if your unemployment um, rate in a particular area is lower, um, it would also um, mean that there will be much better gains made in terms of the quality of life. Um, years of schooling, sanitation, so forth, you know, are very, very equally weighted. And then child mortality, um, you know, the, the smallest one. Um, if we go to the next slide, and we can move to the next slide. Uh, we're talking about um, economic inequality here. Now, inequality, of course, is something that uh, that calls all of us. And that is, again, something that's uh, very closely linked um, to the resources that people have, uh, both um, human resources as well as financial resources, resources like land and and industry and and businesses and so forth. And of course, all of these are linked to, uh, unfortunately, shared heritage. Now, this is measured normally using the Gini coefficient. The Gini coefficient uh, tells us how skew the income in a country is is, is spread. So uh, if we have a completely uh, equal um, society, Um, in other words, where everybody gets exactly the same income, it will be, the genetic coefficient will be zero. And if we're living in a society where everyone or maybe one person gets everything, then the income, uh, the genetic coefficient is essentially going to be one. Um, So these are hypothetical, of course. Now, in South Africa, we can see that our um, genetic coefficient is extremely high at about 0.65. And that's, of course, not only the high end, it's, arguably um, the highest or at least one of the top three highest in, in, in the world. And, you know, that's, of course, not something to be extremely proud um, proud about. Um, and a lot of this, of course, you can break up, you know, in between population groups and and so on. But essentially, um, I think the important thing here is that, the, as you can see, the genetic coefficient has stayed relatively stagnant um, over the past few years, meaning that we're not r- really improving inequality at least Um as as we speak, the next slide uh, shows the difference in genetic coefficient between uh, the sexes, and as you can see, there's uh, more un, uh, inequality between males as opposed to females. Uh, the female inequality or genetic coefficient is 0.61, whilst for female uh, for males it would be uh, 0.64. The next slide looks at a gene coefficient. But within provinces, using these three points that we um, spoke about 2006, 9, 11, and 15. Sorry, these four points. And as you can see, uh, looking at a free state province, that's the second uh, last one on the right hand side, there was a relatively sharp decline in um, inequality um, from 2006 to 2011. But then there was also an unfortunate increase um, to 2015. Now, that is uh, true of a number of cases. It's also true for the Eastern Cape, for the Western Cape, um, and, and Limpopo. Um, so inequality uh, you know, is something that, that, that is worth us, and it's very, very difficult to, to, to address. It doesn't mean we shouldn't try, of course. Uh, next slide. Is We're talking about the gains that we've made. I think the most important gain here is to start again with um we've mentioned unemployment now unemployment of course is important for a number of reasons but one of the main um reasons why it's important is because it it brings us income it brings families income now of course not all families have people that are employed so they must bring their sources from various uh, from the income from various sources and Those sources include salaries, remittances, uh, social grants, which are very important, and also various other sources, which includes, for instance, um, businesses, um, farming activities, um, some other kind of resource. And and, and of course, also pensions. And as you can see in a free state, about 54% of households said that their main source of income was a, a salary, which is of course, you know, a good thing, because it means people were employed. However, I think important here to note is that 24% of households got their main source of income from some, from social grants, either from one, you know, for instance, the age grant or from a, a variety of, of grants, you know, age grant and child support grant and, and so forth. And that is extremely high. It's not as high, for instance, as uh, the Eastern Cape or Nampopo, but it's definitely at a high, high site. And it shows you, um, it kind of is closely correlated to the high unemployment rate we've got. Uh, also, about 11% of these households received income from remittances, which, again, is lower than, for instance, Limpopo and Eastern Cape, which have high uh, migration populations, but which is still um, extremely high. It means that a lot of this population is dependent on populations in other provinces and maybe in the rest of the province to send back money home. Uh, the next slide. The next slide uh, talks, or the next two slides, I think, talks about um, access to, um, to, to, services. In particular, we're talking about sanitation. Sanitation, of course, extremely important, um, uh, resource, both in terms of uh, human dignity, but also in terms of health. Uh, poor sanitation would normally also be associated with poor health. And as you can see, if we look at the Free State province, that's a, the one exactly in the middle, um, just below, um, just below Gauteng in the top, in the top row. So it's just in the, in the second row in the middle. You can see that um, 85.5% of uh, the population in, in of households in a free state had access to um, adequate sanitation. That is above, just slightly above the, the national average. Um, so it's it's very, very similar to what we would expect in a in in, in South Africa in a national average. Uh, if we go to the next one, the next slide um, shows us access to electricity electricity is also um, extremely important for a number of reasons it it aids of course um, education it aids productivity In other words, people are able to do their own businesses cooking eating and so forth but also i think very importantly it's also this health factor because if people don't have to use uh, open fires and so forth of course you know uh, it will it would it would lead to better health in terms of not having to um, live in, in in a smoke fault in environment the free state is in the top row, um, right-hand, and as you can see, it is quite significantly above the, the average for, for South Africa at about 92% of households, or 91.2% rather, of households that um, reported having um, access to mains electricity. The next slide um, really talks about female headed households that were likely to run out of food to, uh, to money, rather, to buy food. And as you can see here, female-headed households uh, generally uh, were more likely to run out of money than male-headed households. And that's, of course, also partially because female-headed households were more likely to be poorer. But also I think another thing is female-headed households are often, and this is not a slight have here, but female-headed households are often much larger than male-headed households. Female-headed households um, are often the households that have to care for children, and for elderly people, people with disabilities, and so forth, so that money has to to feed a much broader number of people and as you can see uh um, across the various districts um, female led households were significantly and uh, and uh, continuously much more likely to to run out of money and For a free state, we're talking about about a quarter of of these uh, female led households uh compared to about twenty two percent said they were likely to run out of money to buy um food. And this is the highest in, uh, Le, what's it, Le uh, Jureputswa. Excuse the pronunciation there. Uh, next slide is, um, and again, harping back to, to unemployment, we can see here that in a free state province, about 23% of male headed households didn't have a single person who were are unemployed or that were employed, rather. And this is compared to forty-one point nine percent of female-led households. This is a huge, huge difference. And if you compare that to um, to the South Africa as a whole, it also uh, exceeds the, the the percentages that we get in, um, in in South Africa. It is still lower than Limpopo, but you know Limpopo has got a particularly bad um, situation. If you go to the next slide, we see that, um, and this is this is data from. Um, Uh, from, I think there's the the Victims of Crime survey, it shows that about 1.8% of women um, aged 16 years and above, uh, of sorry, uh, yeah, 1.8% rather, of women reported that they were a victim of assault in in the the previous year. Now, these figures are almost definitely underreported for a number of of reasons, Um, but I think it does give us an indication of how it's spread. And you know, 1.8% is is quite a high percentage. It's above um, RSA, um, but it's still above, uh, below, for instance, Northern Cape, Free State, and, and so forth. Um, so I think we shouldn't really uh, look at the percentage itself. Like I said, it's definitely underreported, um, but it does give us the indication that there is something um, wrong that that needs to be addressed very urgently. Uh, next slide is. The final slide. I'm not going to do um, the SG's talk, um, but I just want to thank you um, for your time, and uh, yeah, and I'll, I'll stay on for for any questions. That are any questions later on? Thank you very much, ma'am. Thank you, uh, colleagues.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Neil. Th- thank you very much. I think the the presentations are improving with time over time, and we are really getting more and more very useful information from you as the as our a uh, very reliable partner, that's SA. We will continue, honourable members, and also uh, all participants on the on the platform. And we will now go to the economic cluster overview that will be rendered by the fiscal and financial commission, financial and fiscal commission. It's either Nomonde Madubula or Mkululu Mkube. That will be uh, presenting the the presentation from the FFC. Over to you, FFC, Kululi. Thank you.
6: Thank you, Chair. And I don't know who is pledging the presentation that side. Kevin,
0: can you assist?
5: Um, I did not get a presentation, ma'am.
0: again come again
5: we did not
7: get the
0: presentation is it then you possibly you can just speak from your notes if you have the presentation
6: okay let me speak from my notes the presentation uh, was circulated and i'll move slide by slide First, it is about the role of the Financial and Fiscal Commission, what it does, and why it came to be involved on gender issues. Secondly, we are going to look at our research on gender budgeting, and and, uh, lastly, our recommendations before we conclude. That's the, then I'm on slide three now the role of the financial and fiscal commission ffc what ffc does or what it is it is an independent permanent statutory institution established in terms of section 20, 20, 220 of the constitution and there is also an enabling legislation the ffc act the mandate of FFC and why I think it's important to state that and why we're here is to act as a consultative body that makes recommendations and gives advice to parliament, provincial legislatures, and also organized local government and other organs of state on the equitable division of revenue among the three spheres of government. So that's the function of the FFC, I think I'll skip slide four and go to slide five, which is really the crux of this particular meeting. And we do a lot of research. All our recommendations are based on evidence. One of our research was on the issue of gender budgeting, whereby we did a lot of case studies across three different provinces to find out whether municipalities are really taking the issue of gender budgeting seriously in their plans as well as in their budgets. So that was the main objective of this particular study to see whether there's gender budgeting in the local government sphere. We know that everything is happening in the local government sphere. And if it is not happening there, then it will be difficult to translate some of government policies in which will have a positive impact on the population at that level. So what were the findings of the FFC research? One of the major findings is that despite government commitments to gender equality through various policy and legislative measures, the issue of gender inequalities and also the issue of women there are still very rampant inequalities inequalities still persist if we look at black African female-headed households as we have seen in the previous presentation black African female-headed households are the poorest of the poor in the country 41 percent of South African households are headed by females and which really speaks to the issue of inequalities. And of these female-headed households, 56% more than half fall into the poorest quantile compared to around 44% of the male-headed households. So this demonstrates the inequalities. And also in terms of unemployment, we've seen that the unemployment rates tend to be higher for women than for men. And we see that in a number of our documents, including what that essay has said. We look also to women who are not in employment, not in education, not in training. And we find that those people who are not in employment or education or training for females are higher than compared to men. If we look at the first quarter of 2017, The rate of women who were not in employment, education, or training between the ages of 2020 20 and 24 was above 50 percent compared to 46 or compared to 47 percent for males. So that shows some inequalities. I'm on slide seven now. Then our in light of this particular background. We as FFC were involved in the in recommending about the equitable sharing of national acquired revenues. So we are saying that one avenue that should receive greater emphasis is the intergovernmental fiscal relations to try and change the status quo of women and also to reverse that particular to look into to address the challenges as we have seen in that background. I have just pointed out. So we are saying that the IGFR instruments or the IGFR system is an important avenue to addressing these inequalities. So a successful IGFR system must be sensitive to the needs of women, and also consider that the needs of women are different from those of men, and contribute to moving them out of poverty. So there's need for innovation in policy design, and implementation especially in the area of gender sensitive resource allocation so the objectives of our research was to assess the gender responsiveness of municipal budgeting processes and we did that by looking at the integrated development plans the idps of some 30 municipalities to see how gender sensitive they are You start from the planning process. If you are not sensitive from, gender sensitive from the planning process, you'll never allocate resources to areas which will benefit women in the economy. So we also had to look at some case studies where we looked at some municipalities in the Aoteng province, Western Cape, Eastern Cape, and Freestead and with a focus on local economic development water and sanitation early childhood development which is another area which there are so many huge gaps in terms of assisting women so early childhood development is a key component that's where resources also must go we also looked at the housing infrastructure on slide eight what were the findings of our research first is that there is lack of gender mainstreaming and women empowerment as an approach so all what we saw is that the issues of gender are events driven that there is a day when this is comma commemorated but it is not an approach which is really found in government and whereby It should be found in the budgeting process, so we are saying it is not really an approach, but it is events driven. There is also lack of gender disaggregated data, and that is very important, especially in the budgeting process that if we have gender disaggregated data, we will know the inequalities which exist and we will be able to target resources appropriately equity versus mainstreaming for gender equality. The thing is that it's more about numbers, but it is less about resources, which will make a great difference. There's also weak translation of gender equality commitments into fiscal commitments. That is, there is really no gender responsive budgeting in the local sphere. Then, Next slide, slide nine, and our findings also show that there is poor translation of the national agenda on women empowerment and gender equality into local government programs. And as I've said, there is inadequate sets, disaggregated data, the gender discourse is events driven, there is lack of gender budgeting, training, and capacity building of Decision makers, especially for budget officers, there is a need for gender budgeting training so that they are sensitive to gender issues. There is poor institutionalization of gender responsive budgeting and an absence of analysis on the gender impact of existing revenues and expenditure, which is more important. And this is a project which FFC will be embarking on in the following year to see now whether revenues they are generated in a gender-sensitive manner and whether expenditures are also gender-sensitive and where they are not, how can they be made to be gender-sensitive? That's our project for the following year then uh, other findings and reasons for limited gender mainstreaming and gender budgeting in the local sphere is also the absence of an approved gender policy across all municipalities there is also an absence of a municipal gender mainstreaming agenda and personnel in management who make decisions and budget officers who track expenditures and revenues have limited knowledge of gender mainstreaming and gender equality indicators. And the collection of gender disaggregated data is very limited in the local sphere. So our recommendations, and some of them have been accepted by government, but movement towards implementation is still limited. One of our recommendations is that the national and provincial governments should run gender bi- uh, budgeting pilots in a few municipalities first and av- evaluate results And before there is wide application of the gender budgeting instrument. Secondly, we are saying they need to ensure municipal integrated development plans institutionalize gender planning by sector, for example, in the water sanitation, local economic development. There is a need to look into that. Thirdly, there is a need for national and provincial governments to provide guidelines for collecting safety gender disaggregated data for budgeting processes and ensure that municipalities have the capacity to analyze this particular data. And if you look at these Recommendations I've stated government has supported these recommendations, and there is still some engagements, especially with the national treasury, on what could be done and what kind of data could be um, collected to support gender responsive budgeting. But the most important thing, there has been some support on that, which I think. For legislatures, it is important to constantly ask um, treasuries, both provinces in the provinces and national, how far have they done to this particular recommendation? Other recommendation is that the local government should institutionalize gender responsive budgeting. They should build capacity on gender mainstreaming and gender responsive budgeting at that level and ensure gender responsive appropriations and budget allocations and also ensure that gender hello oh, no.
0: Am I audible? You yes. are, but the presence is gone. Yeah. Is it okay? there is back. Kululi, are you back? Hello.
6: Oh, hello. Yes. Okay. wait there was a time, me?
0: there was a time that we couldn't hear you. So possibly you can just whilst you were busy just speaking about the institutionalization of gender mainstreaming in the local government sphere.
5: Continue from there.
6: Okay. Okay, let me get you there. I was almost done. Let me go back to that one. What I was saying is that the local government sphere should institutionalize gender-responsive budgeting processes, and there must be a link between the institutionalization and the IDPs. And also there's a need to build capacity for gender mainstreaming and gender responsive budgeting. That's very important, especially for budget officers in the local sphere. And also there's a need for gender responsive appropriations and budget allocations. And lastly, and very important is that in the consultation process or the consultation processes of IDPs, these must be gender sensitive and also must be gender repre- uh, represented, representative, because that's where things start. Issues of gender must be artic- well articulated at that planning stage. Looking at government responses, government supported all these recommendations as they saw them as a good step, a sound step towards. Increased accountability and public transparency that is involving or looking at gender issues is a way of increasing accountability in the local sphere. However, the proposal, the implementation of these proposals, have been in some areas, we hear that it has been hindered by the lack of capacity in municipalities and we don't have any record of progress in implementing these recommendations, but they were positively taken by the government. To conclude, Chair, Honorable Members, we are saying that there is need to take into account some key legislation, especially the Municipal Fiscal Powers and Functions Act we are saying that the minister must consult the commission before any regulations are made under that act, especially trying to infuse gender issues. And also, there is a need to consult the commission on other changes if they have the financial and fiscal implications, especially on gender-related budgeting so that we advise appropriately. Then on slide 14 there, we note that there is draft national legislation directly or indirectly amended, amending the previous act or the Municipal Finance Management Act or providing for the enactment of supporting legislation that may conflict with this act may be introduced in parliament or only after the minister has consulted the financial and fiscal commission. I think the point there is that the commission takes the issues of gender seriously, and there's a need to infuse these particular gender issues into appropriate legislation and consult the commission on the way on how this should be taken into account. And also, there's no doubt that the Fire that was lit in the adoption of the first women's charter in 1994 must continue burning, and that's what the commission hopes to see going forward. That that fire must continue to be ignited, and it must not be an event-driven issue, but it must continue going forward. With that. The commission thanks you for the opportunity to present its own research and its views on gender budgeting thank you
0: Jay. thank you very much if you can just request namonde to make sure that she send the presentation to sibulelo so that we can distribute it to the members thank you but thank you very much for a very insightful presentation it's just you know, vision is actually enhancing your understanding of any presentation that is in front of you. But thank you very much for the presentation. We will now give over to Honourable Gillian to chair the session where the province will respond respond on the different issues as highlighted. Honourable Gillian, it's over to you now. And I, 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 I believe your connectivity is much better than the previous times. Thank you.
8: The Wi-Fi has been... Um... It's been tested this morning, Chairperson. I was not cut out of any meeting, so it's much better now. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Um, We will now go over to Honorable Mashini, the MEC of Police, Roads and Transport in the. Mashini. Thank you, Chair. If I want to.
5: Very much. Uh, let me uh, acknowledge also the chair, Honorable uh, Sylvia Lucas, and also the chair of this session now, Honorable. Thank, Thank you very much. Um, I'm going to indicate. I'm not so sure whether the slide will be flighted there because we have sent. Not so sure who's dealing with that from your side, chair. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, I want to go to slide number two. Uh, the slide number two basically gives a background in that the gender-based violence is a blight in the psychosocial spirit or psyche uh, of the people of uh, Mganzi, South Africa. We want to make it a point that women and children always find themselves in the receiving uh, end of this callous men who ironically are supposed to love and protect these women. And I think it's very clear now, day in, day out, We always get these news, bad news, painful news, that so and so has been raped and murdered, and a half-naked body found in the felt, perhaps covered by tree branches. A very serious and frustrating matter. The anger and frustration expressed by women and caring men on social media platforms. Seems to fall on deep ears to these heartless men with ill intentions. We're raising this particular matter chair because no proper thinking man can actually demolish or cut the very same human being that gave birth to a you to another human being. It can be. And I, I want to indicate that it is time. And I appreciate this. And I know in the province, we've had these discussions that the time is here for the country, and including the province, that men must not only be had reprimanding these cruel deeds. And I'm using the word reprimanding because sometimes people like to speak on the social media against these, but i'm raising a point we must be seen to be doing something to the mentality of these bad guys uh, next slide please we next slide yeah One of the issues, Chair, that from our side as the province, that we think is high on the agenda, it is the issue of the boys that must be inducted to take care of the girls and women uh, in the society. I'm raising this particular matter, Chair, because sometimes members of the South African police have to be called in when violence has already happened. They had to respond in that. Remember, at a particular point, they had to look at other challenges that are facing the society. And that has to be diverted to respond to an area where the gender violence has basically occurred. The point I'm making here, who are these people that are uh, 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 treating our women and girls in this particular fashion? And we are citing one of the issues as boys, And we believe that there has to be an engagement right straight from the household. And I think I was listening carefully on the statistician presentation, which indicate the skewed uh, way in our free state whereby you find that more women are actually the single parent in their homes. And therefore, one of the contributing factors is that very high number of families do not have both parents. I mean a mother and a father you find a situation whereby a mother is actually the only uh, breadwinner in that particular family and then add to that it is the issue of a poverty and therefore this matter of boys not being nurtured properly becomes a problem and we do have as the South African police in the free state six point plan and uh, our motto with regard to that is that that particular plan has to be implemented without faith. Communities must not wait until, and this is the message that we are at all times raising. And I can cite one specific heartbreaking incident that I have never seen in my life where a father butchered two children two children in Manau. And when we went there, when the police arrived, the other children was dead already. What this particular person did, he took his father, took the two children from his mother under the pretext that he is taking the children to preschool. As he normally do, they did have a quarrel, the husband and the wife, the previous night. The following day in the morning, he took both children under the pretext that he's taking them to preschool. And on the way, when he was supposed to take the children to preschool, he then diverted and went to the shack where they were staying and took the butcher knife, literally butchering the elder one to death, to death. What a cruel incident. Now, I'm trying to demonstrate that at some point, when you have to act, it's like if you can act before. The challenge that I am raising, it is the issue of the, the late arrival. As a result, the matter has happened in a particular hole, And that creates a lot of challenge for the South African police to be able to attend to that particular matter before it happens. So it is a point that I'm making that if we can continue and fast track the process of awareness on the gender-based violence. Some of these things we can be able to overcome. We can reduce that particular crime. So I'm saying, here, that is the experience that we have had. And I was just citing it as, by the way, of the background. Next slide. Yeah. Uh, what we do when we experience such situation, we do have a user-friendly service to victims of gender-based violence, and we do this in pursuance of international convention and legislation. Two, we have a unit called a civilian secretariat. Its main focus is to monitor the implementation of victim empowerment programs as well as the existence and functionality of victims' rooms. As you know, when you go to each and every police station, there should be a, there is a special room dedicated that can be able to secure those that are uh, 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 facing such brutality. I must also indicate that uh, one of the biggest challenges that we face, you get a person that is then removed from a violence that happened in a household. In particular, a woman. And when that particular woman arrives at the police station, then he will be kept there. And then one of the challenges that we do have is that later a victim will be saying, please don't charge please don't take action to my husband. Perhaps this can be related to poverty because he will then put pressure to say, I did not said you must arrest, remove the person that has violated me. And again, I can cite another example. In literary culture, a specific woman calls me He says, she says, there is another woman in my street who is being beaten in the street by his husband. And this woman was pregnant. I immediately ensure that police react to that. Move from where you are, Directly into that particular scene. And this man was kicking the woman in the street. And this woman was pregnant. When the police responded to that, and I'm citing it again as one of the issues, when the police responded to that, I got a call by the same woman that called me. And this is the matter that we must begin to educate our people if we want to deal with this matter properly and sufficiently. She then said to me, Dr. Mashinin, I'm out of this. I said, why? Has the police arrived? She says, yes, the police have arrived. The same pregnant woman said to the police, I did not said you must arrest this man. I said you must come and talk to him. He must not beat me. Such cases, Chair, end up being withdrawn from the court processes. And very painfully, because even those members of police, when they go to such scene, they are human beings too. They felt very hard that they can't stop at anything, but they have to arrest the person. Yes, crime has happened. The person must face the consequences. Chair, you know what is happening? What is happening is that come the date the very same woman or a person does not appear god does not appear god and i'm citing this issue that it can be able to assist us to apprehend and ensure that the perpetrator find himself behind bars and 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 this is the challenges that we begin to face so the rooms are there to keep these uh, 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 victims, you know, in a safe place. And one of the issues as we conduct the awareness campaign, we also indicate places rendered and services to gender-based violence so that after we have dealt with that, then we can refer that to places where those victims can then be taken to. So this unit called the Civilian Secretariat monitor the implementation of those that are part or uh, 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 being implicated or becoming a victim on gender-based violence. And they do check cases on gender-based violence on a daily basis. And those are reported. And I must also indicate that We also engage with the MPOs, the NGOs, to give support to the victims. Because surely, when a person decides to retreat on a case that is so serious, there has to be some sort of an engagement. And I don't want to cite one of the things that happened very close to me. Again, in Manolo, I got a case reported to me directly. I sent the unit that is responsible for gender-based violence in that area, and after that, I followed up. I said, "Remove the husband there. Remove the husband there, and then you then begin to cancel the husband and, and and take the processes for The following day two days or three days thereafter, I had that, they are saying they want to stay together. They would rather stay in different rooms in the same house. Again, what assurance do you have that violence is not have, going to happen in that particular house? I am supportive of the intention to review because one of the issues that I have experienced is this whole issue of justice system, and I want to put it clear, the justice system. That must begin to meet the problem on the head, dealing with this particular matter, so that a perpetrator must know that the end of my action is going to be behind the bus. Chair, we had in. Another gender-based violence in an area of Brownville, in Lidliput. The perpetrator chair of that gender-based violence was a person that has just been released from jail. Was a person who has been released from jail. I want to believe that the review is going to help us. I am of the view, and this matter always comes in, that people that continue to do this are doing this on the basis of saying, he has gone to jail, but he comes out, and when he comes out, he is not fully, fully integrated into the Society. And the person has not repented at all. He goes back and repeats the same thing. And this is the person that we think has gone through the correctional services. I want to put it here. Most of the serious crimes that happen, you may find that you will find that the perpetrator is a repetitive perpetrator. One way or the other, he has been sent to jail. He is out on a parole, and then he goes and commits the same thing again. So I'm, re- I'm citing the issue of injustice. Justice must then come into the place, assist and ensure that perpetrators do not find themselves in the street there amongst our society. Next slide next slide so this unit no no the previous slide so this unit basically monitors that violence and conduct audits in all police stations and begin to raise areas where there are shortcomings we also have the in response a youth crime prevention strategy. And I know for a fact that at one point, I took time to meet with the boys that are coming from prison, ex-offenders, and I'm still continuing to engage them because to such a boy... Who comes from jail? A human being in front of him is but nothing. A woman in front of that particular boy is nothing. And when you trace back Jay, you will realize that this particular boy child was brought up in a single family. Again, it goes back to what the statisticians have raised to say. More of our children are being raised by single-headed family, which is a problem. Yes, that was part of public awareness on gender-based, engaging with them. But I must also admit that one of the challenges, it is the issue of the unemployment, which people resort in doing such actions. But what we do, we also ensure that we encourage them to do, you know, some work in themselves. Specific, another example, it was in the Jolibuza in Haneman, where we engage with them, so that they can do handwork, those that can be able to weld as boys, in the public awareness campaign, we also encourage and also try to source assistance from the relevant department to assist the chair so that they can find themselves doing something. And I must add another thing, the issue of the drugs, which also contribute into this. And I'm sure, Chair, is an open secret that in the province, we have managed to nap some of the areas where the drug dealers are continuing. And I can safely say we are continuing to do that. There are challenges, of course. I don't want to zoom into that. There are challenges whereby a person, whoever that continues to sell the drugs, I have learned, realized that when I got into a house suspected suspected of selling the drugs, I may not necessarily chair, get into the house. Chair, I will then call the dog unit to go at the house or what do you call it, of the dog. And one of those dogs that they are putting hiding these drugs on. It's a vicious dog. Called the pit bull. Which clearly says it's hiding them there. So these areas, they do contribute. We need, and this is the area, that's why we have apprehended, I'm sure it's an open secret, in Kwako, for example, through the help of the national commissioner, we managed to deal with A laboratory of drugs in Congo. Add to this chair, it is the continuing theft of the ARVs from our clinics that have been stolen. And with that chair, they are doing what is called Nyaobi. With the ARBs. And this is what the South African police is basically doing. And again, when we do the awareness, we speak with the community. As we continue with it, we raise the issue of our own community protecting our own clinics. In Dunvanden again, we actually caught ARBs that were stolen on a transit from Zastro, and we apprehended that because clearly we are aware that those ARVs are basically doing what is called the Niaope. But we are also because I don't know I have realized that some people you may think that they know how these Mendrax cocaine Daha and so on, how do they look like? So that when they get involved into that, they're able to know exactly how it looks like. And in the awareness campaign, some parents, and I want to raise again the issue of single parents, who will not have child to follow up the steps of each and every boy or son in the family, to clearly indicate, to clearly see the behavior of this child who happens now to be not a normal boy. Because you can see it when the boy acts strangely inside the house. But if it's a single family, it's a mother alone, that matter is not going to be picked up earlier. And I raise the issue of preventing if that can be seen at earlier stage, it will help us for this particular child not to go into that particular area. We do have the forums that we are also established, and continuously we get reviving them. So Sometimes people will come in and when they have a certain thinking, they decide to so, so you must continue to provide them so that you can be able to deal with them. Next slide. I'm about to conclude, Chair. The future interventions, and perhaps I must also add this one before I go to the future intervention. The role that we are playing in the shelters, I want to accept that one of the challenges is that sometimes you find that because our centres are not necessarily guarded by the South African Police Service. They are sometimes guarded by the departmental security. And then police will come in when the calls are made. The gender commissioner raised a matter and I immediately thought of this, in Kuang, the secure center in Kuang. I know at some point, the waters in that particular secure center were actually held hostage. We went into that particular space, and I think it was a team of the executive, and look at where they managed to get out of the building. You can see that one of the issues that I think we need to look at is to ensure that the secure centers have a much more trained security in that particular field. Because, Chair, these children, these boys, when they are there, like I've indicated, violating raping, it's not a child's play to them. It's not something that they fear to go to us It's an easy thing. But I think one of the issues is that we must tighten at our own security secure centers where these boys are being held. And I know the MEC of social development in the province, at one point, she always calls me and says, hey, we have a problem there. Our people have been held hostage. Can you please assist? Then you come in into that particular space. Damages have been made. That's why I'm saying social development, because it takes care, it looks after these type of areas, must be the one with a much much stronger security to can be able to deal with. like i indicated before partnership with the gender-based violence the npos and ngos at provincial level we are continuing to strengthen and train the cpf on their oversight role regarding the domestic but them too chair them too which means as a country as a province we must increase our effort on the awareness campaign. From where I'm sitting, gender based violence is another serious matter just like the COVID in the country. And I think if we can take it in that way, we'll be able to do. I think more and more has to be done in terms of ensuring that the society, the people on the they speak on this. With regard to the availability of crime rate kits or delays in, in the testing, I want to make that an intervention that the province has embarked on is that every station, free state program, should have, is having the sexual offense rate kit available in the communities. And when rape has been reported, the victim does not take long time and that person can be referred to hospital with sexual offences and as a result, there should not be any delay on the DNA test. Next slide, which I said is almost the last. I want to thank this opportunity, but from the side of the department, that I lead in the province. I think we can do more. And the area that we need to focus on, one, strengthen, we need to strengthen the security in the secure centers. Two, our justice system must deal with perpetrators of gender-based violence. People must not find themselves on the street when they have raped someone's kid. When they have Demoralize someone's life the next moment that person finds himself on the street. I think such people must face a heavy fight. Thank you very much.
8: Thank you very much, MEC. Um, I just want to remind um, the members to check time. I didn't want to interrupt you, MEC, because you were taking me far away with your presentation, but we must be cautious of time. I will end over now.
5: My apologies, sir.
8: Yes, thank you, thank you, Emissi. Can I ask Emissi for Cocter, um, Honourable Kanisa, to take us through his presentation, or is it a ma'am? of Captain
9: Free State. Thank you, chairperson Um I'm, uh, I'm sorry, my system is a bit slow this time around. Uh, I've received a lot of, uh, from the presentation of the, uh, <clears throat> two presentations earlier on, which to a large extent were painting a picture. That uh, that is very demoralizing. Uh, it is it is to a large extent showing weaknesses of the system that we are dealing with. Uh, in essence, with the with the fight uh, that we must engage on. Uh, it's a it's a venom voluminous presentation, but it's just few slides. Uh, that are, that are there to to indicate. I would not really, with the interest of time, indicate a lot of uh, <clears throat> follow slide by slide. I would really try to cover uh, generally issues that are affecting us. And if you allow me, I would just use some few notes. Chairperson, uh, the presentation is there with you in detail, and you would uh, you would be able to circulate it. Uh, <clears throat> I would uh, firstly, welcome the opportunity and thank uh, all the presenters with a very clear uh, information they gave us. Chair, according to the Constitution of the country, uh, Act 108 of 1996, Section 154I, states that the national and provincial government by legislative and other measures must support and strengthen the capacity of municipalities to manage their own affairs, to exercise their powers and perform their functions. This chair articulates and clearly directs the the department to support municipalities and ensure that they function uh, efficiently and meet their core function in terms of servicing our people directly. The municipal systems section that one of 2,000 require the MEC for local government to provide comments on the respective municipal integrated development plans in the province. And it is at this time where we interact uh, directly in trying to sway or influence or even uh, assist municipalities uh, to refocus their plans uh, directly to core and important issues uh, of na- of national character and thereby finding way to deal with a process of having our people benefiting from processes of government. In response to the legislative requirement and to support district municipalities and assist the M- MEC commenting process, the Department of Cooperative Government and Traditional Affairs <clears throat> coordinate, conduct, and facilitate remote provincial IDP draft assessment session that was held on the 15th of May 2 to the 5th June, 2020. The session brought together a national and provincial sector departments official, state-owned entities and agencies, academic institution and other organisations to engage with the municipal IDPs with a view of providing comments that are aimed at improving the credibility and quality of the IDPs. And this is a session, Chair, we have created and which we are doing yearly with the purpose of trying to harness and synchronize various views uh, to be able to fit issues of national importance. The overall objective of the annual IDP assessment sessions are to one, improve the delivery of services of our people, which is our core function as the department. And that process is inclusive of adhering to all requirements also in terms of empowerment and uh, prioritizing of uh, women issues improve the quality of the municipal uh, igps which is critical because they must be realizable they must be implementable and uh, uh, and there has to be proper timeframes. so it is our duty and our responsibility to ensure that we attend to that pro- to that process um, very well. To assess thirdly so, to assess as to what extent does the municipal IDPs do to especially empower women uh, development and what are the community projects or activities that are designed specifically for women. And this is the point I was raising to that our role in terms of interaction and advancing uh, uh, the the emancipation of women would acutely raise these issues with various IDPs so that they find expression in the process and municipalities are able to deal with it. This is notwithstanding the, the challenge, which is a very serious challenge of finances, which was raised by Umamu that on coming to finances and financing certain projects and certain positions um, uh, uh, in terms of competing interest, uh, often than not, the the programs that affect women and the positions that affect women are not favored in this instance. And I think I wish to accept and acknowledge that point that where when every time there's competing issues, it would not feature as, as one of the prominence. And that weakness must be overcome because it's not helping to advance our our, our, our <clears throat> one of our key strategic issues as a national issue. Influence good governance and the municipal planning process so that committees are at the center of municipal planning. So <clears throat> our existence as local government, our six census government is to ensure that communities uh, uh, are benefiting from the process. Uh, in as much as we acknowledge that the nature of uh, local government is the community, it is the councillors and the administration. But communities play a major role because they are actually the ones who have the power to decide who must govern at all times. So our plans must influence that. And the report of the, uh, the society statistic report explain on, on how we are failing in terms of affirming women. That is despite that they are in majority in our processes. And they are the ones who are directing many communities. So this issue forms part of what we do as part of assessing uh, assessing the IDPs and trying to influence the process uh, moving forward to further the interest of the national agenda. Further interventions activities to enable gender shift in the provision of services by municipalities. The department is to coordinate the tabling, adoption and submission of the IDP processes plan for a review of 2020 21 IDP budget process, and encourage municipalities to focus um, on not at, on achieving social uh, development issues and those that are partially achieved to improve service delivery that is holistic, inclusive of basic services and social development. Department to coordinate virtual or remote provincial municipal uh, IDP engagement session in collaboration with other sectors, development, state-owned entities, and purposes of the for purposes uh, of the session would be one, collectively respond to our own constitutional obligation and mandate as espoused in section one uh, uh, five four of the constitution of the country, and two, to collectively lobby, solicit, consolidate support for municipalities by highlighting issues of gender mainstreaming program as well as the empowerment of women during the review of this process. This process we are currently dealing with and uh, to a large extent, municipalities are at at the highest level on it. But our influence and participation and guidance to that process is to achieve issues as as outlined earlier on. To ensure effective, efficient, and meaningful participation by all sectors, sector department and state-owned enterprises, in the municipal IDP process. This also factoring the, the the DDM model, where we want to create one plan, one budget for the country, which is inclusive of the participation of national and uh, local and, and uh, provincial government. And we now have champions that are dealing with these issues. We've advanced to a large extent in consolidating some of the plans. We have not yet, being in a position to have that one plan. Part of the weaknesses of the process is a budget cycle different from national and provincial. But this process would give us a space, it's an opportunity for us to harness uh, and mainstream women issues and factor them. And instead of just doing a lip service to the process. So we are going, as we undertake this process, we are taking in mind issues that we raised. To further strengthen the support and capacity of municipalities to realize the objective of developing credible and legally comp- compliant IDPs. And I think the chairperson of the agenda commission, to a large extent, has given us a, 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 a issues that we must deal with in moving forward and also the analysis, the diagnostic report or analysis she has done with this process. But the department is really committed uh, to ensure that we achieve uh, the objectives as outlined and we take note of issues as raised. I want to thank Jefferson uh, the opportunity uh, that you have afforded us and uh, good luck. Thank you.
8: Thank you very much, MEC. Um, we will move over <clears throat> to the MEC for Finance in the Free State Honorable Brown.
10: Thank you, um, Honourable Ian, um, Chairperson of the Select Committee, and Chairperson of the House tonight. Allow me to also acknowledge the Deputy Chairperson of the NCLP, Honourable Lucas, and all Honourable Members present today. Uh, Chair, I'm not sure if um, my presentation could be flattered or if I could share my screen to allow for this presentation. Thank you so much. Um, Let me start by thanking um, this House for the opportunity and to be part of this review. I think it's critical and important and for the House to have looked at every province and allow provinces also to participate in in some of the policy making and policy decisions around women in, in the country. And I think that it's important for us to reflect upon those presentations and information that was provided by everyone today and really support our structure and our implementation plans going forward with those relevant recommendations that were provided. Um, if we can go to the next slide, I'm going to start with a presentation. And in this way, um, Honorable Chairperson, I felt that it would also be imperative for us to provide the socioeconomic status of women in the free state on the va- basis of some of the. Uh, STATSA information that we have also received, but a comparative analysis between 1996 and 2019. So, the number of females increased in the province from 1.39 million in 1996 to 1.47 million in 2019. It represents an increase of 84,000 females in comparison to an increase of 100,000 males during the same period. The share of females thus decreased from 51.6% in 1996 to 51.2% in 2019. However, the number of women of working age, ages between the years of 15 to 64 years old has increased by 221,000 from 1.64 million in 1996 to 1.86 million in 2019. Females constituted 46.6% of the Free State Labour force in 2019, up from 44.0% in 1996. About 43.7% of all employed people in the Free State are women. This figure has improved from 39.3% in 1996. Females bear the brunt of unemployment disproportionately the, although there has been significant improvements, Honorable Chair, in 2019, around 52.0% of unemployed were female, down from 59.9% in 1996. Unemployment amongst the female population has increased from 30.8% in 1996 to 38.8% in 2019. The overall unemployment rate in the province unfortunately increased from 22.6% to 34.7% during this period. The majority of the non or not economically active remain women with a share of 59.1% in 2019, a marginal decrease from 61.4% in 1996. Only 35.9% of new female labor market entrants are able to find unemployed compared to 48.3% of males. This is indicative of the continued advantage men have over women in the labor market. Female labor force participation rates remain very low at 58.7% compared to males at 17.2%. The female population has been higher than their male counterparts, whilst females are disproportionately represented in the labor market, implying that the bigger share of the budget should be a, a, pro, a apportioned to the female population, that is the province should implement gender-sensitive budgeting. And this is part of our major discussion today as we go on, but today I'm going to also talk a little bit about the solutions that the province intends to bring with regards to budgeting and with economic mainstreaming of women in, in the Free State and in South Africa. Could you kindly move to the next slide? So some of the proposed solutions or plans to advance women participation in the mainstream economy. First and foremost, the participation of women in the mainstream economy remains the cornerstone of our economic development trajectory. And that we've done, Chair, through our planning process. And many speakers before that speak about planning. So we are reviewing our free-state growth and development strategy. It has been a large discussion through the economic and social clusters. The social cluster is chaired by um, a female, uh, May Mamiki Tabate, Honorable Mamiki Tabate. And um, I chair the the governance and administration cluster, another female. So the Free State Growth and Development Strategy and the IDPs discussed in the economic cluster and social cluster is reviewed then by the governance and administrative cluster in terms of the target approach and in terms of monitoring and evaluation. With reference to the advancement and support of SMMEs in the value chains of our strategic economic sectors, women are still at the priority of our efforts. So when we look at the establishment of cooperatives, or if we look at some of the value chain analysis, the farm to fork programs in agriculture, if we look at development of women through various committees on HR management, on performance management, Um, Some plans for performance advancement within the workplace, those are some of the matters that come very strongly with regards to the HR analysis uh, within the the public sector. But from an economic perspective, the Department of Economic, Small Business Development, Tourism and Environmental Affairs across all the sectors of the economy have detailed plans and those plans can be submitted to the House with regards to advancing women uh, programs within specific um, areas of those uh, targeted economic sectors. If we look at the continue to support women in manufacturing and industrialization as part of our efforts, it is indeed an ANC policy to ensure that production is in the control of black hands and women hands. The control of production, control of industrialization should be in the hands of women. So part of our efforts to change the nature and the patterns of ownership and control in our economy is also part of not only the structure in terms of some of the economic and infrastructure requirements through the classes, but also policy directives that we need to attend to, which we've done at the provincial level, and that then has to be targeted at the national level. So of course, as a free state, we want our economy to benefit all people as a whole, majority of whom are African and female. The province will further ensure that women participate in the construction industry, and with that we've developed a contractor development program, of which 33% of them are women. And we are also in the process of training women with NQF level 4 construction training, and CIP, CIDB 1, 2s, and 3s within the construction environment. And those would also then, through the CDP program, be allocated certain projects for practical training. Chairperson of the House, um, we have noted and we support the 40% inclusion of procurement for women within the entire sphere of goods and services and the entire sphere of government expenditure. We've already noted that the Triple PFA in 2017 clearly defines and specifies 30% set aside for women. And we would also support through legislative and parliamentary procedural reviews that we increase that to 40%. But whilst we are doing that, it doesn't mean that the work shouldn't stop. Through our specification committee, so before bid goes out, to ensure that it is legal and within the ambit of the law, we can specify that we would want a certain sector either of subcontracting or direct contracting to be women-owned businesses. So that needs to be done across the board, across all departments, and it can be possible, Honourable Chairperson. You can move on to the next slide. In terms of fiscal implications to support the interventions towards gender mainstreaming, uh, policy Chair, in terms of the economic viability, we should not forget land, and we should not forget that women should be also a key priority in land distribution and our programs towards the audits and also a program towards ensuring that legislative programs around land is properly dealt and included in our policy directives. On the issues of fiscal implications, we're very happy with the FFC's uh, presentation. We also take note of the recommendation, but we have already initiated gender-responsive budgeting in the province. Um, we've got w- appointed women focal points in the office of the Premier, so the Premier, together with a certain process, has appointed a woman representative in each district through the district development model. And that individual then will look at all of these matters and ensure that it's aligned to a targeted approach for reporting to this house um, on a quarterly basis or on a a biannual basis. Gender responsive budgeting for ID. And of course, through our plans on APPs and strategic plans within departments, has to be reviewed and monitored. And it is also part of the program to ensure that um, this team also measures it across the board, across the country. And the gender responsive implementation plan for our growth and development strategy is in place and I I believe that through the acting premier who is here today, MSD Mamiki Kabate, we would also present these recommendations to EXCO to adopt it formally and ensure that it is implemented accordingly. You may go to the next slide please. So in terms of long-term plans to um, institutionalise gender responsive budgeting, and it's my last slide, we have to ensure that principles are within the mainstream of our budgeting process. So as provincial treasury, we have conducted a survey which allowed for the span of between 1996 to 2019. So you've seen the result of that. Some of our findings, which is similar to the findings that we had um, from previous speakers, is that gender awareness is common across the province and indeed nationally, but the commitment to implementation of programs associated with gender inequality are still lacking. And that then truly then talks to the way we implement and the way we understand the outcomes and our targeted approach, which needs to be developed and has to have a more stringent uh, performance plan. Wherever gender responsiveness is demonstrated, it is a matter of coincidence rather than design, which should be the other way around. So we should design the process, we should design gender responsiveness programs, and then we deal with the implementation. So it has to be linked and implied to conditionalities and allowing for this formula and design to actually be implemented. The study further included that there appears to be no direct programs institutionalized. And that is why our premier of the province has been Um, ensured that within the past two months, there is a focal point at her office to ensure that we deal with this. And then the study found that the budget of the province was not uh, relevant to gender needs, which we have addressed at at Provincial Treasury when we did our review of our budget this year in July. So in order for us to move on towards gender mainstreaming approach, we've already then agreed that we'll develop a clear set of gender strategies, targets priorities and programs with key indicators, and the implementation framework has to have clear targets, guidelines, and the terms of reference for reporting and monitoring and evaluation. It is also um, stated that we have to implement a plan with evaluation systems alongside the national indicators so that we don't duplicate numbers, we don't duplicate information, and that it also feeds into national targets, so it has to be aligned. And we need to specify who must do what, when, and how the respective data is collected. So, provincial treasury will become the central point to measure and monitor this in alignment together with the social development cluster who is then in charge of making sure that this uh, is reported correctly to the right um, and correct cluster and committee. It is important that the current voluntary system tends to to lack teeth. So we have to have some sort of accountability and sustainability. So even if MECs change, uh, senior management changes, it has to be written in documents and there has to be legislative mechanisms and there has to be an enforcement of compliance to those mechanisms so that we can ensure continuity. And lastly, which is most importantly, the framework for gender equality needs to be converted into law so that it also then talks to some of the legislative prescripts that we have to adhere to and that we could also assist when it comes to auditing processes, that we don't have skewed or blurred lines when it comes to how we've implemented matters, either from budgeting, implementation, and execution, so that we don't have challenges with audited general and irregular methods of um, implementing our programs. Lastly, uh, provincial stage to under the ambit of the leadership of the executive of this province. will also look at the following key areas. Quantify gender responsiveness of budgets for all provinces in the country. Undertake a comprehensive survey to accurately assess the gender coincidence and incidence of spending and revenue. And then we will use free state province um, to be able to support this. But Honourable Chairperson, I think we should, um, if you would allow me, just to conclude by saying 2020 marks 26 years since the adoption of the 1994 women's charter for effective equality i'd like to state that our province is so lucky to have a free state a free state premier who's a woman a speaker who's a woman a deputy speaker who's a woman and we have five MECs who are female and our primary lo- role in advancement of women are not only in the in the public sector, but private sector too. And I'd like to also advise that as part of the program that we have specifically in finance, together with the EXCO, is that our socioeconomic transformation, specific in the light of gender-based violence, is that we have to have a financial liberation program for women in this country. So that a woman can betray, to save, invest, start planning. If she needs to leave that household, she must be financially free and independent together with programs, with the support of social development, economic development, police and other departments to ensure that there is a house, there is systems, there is legislation in place for that woman to say I can pack up, rent a house, take my family with me and leave. So we have to have a detailed financial liberation program for every single woman in this country. I thank you very much. Thank you very much,
8: um, MEC Brown. Um, I would call now on the Honourable Kapate, the MEC for Social Development, and who is also acting Premier of the Free State Province at the moment.
1: Honorable Gailia, can I can I come before you call the next speaker?
8: Yes, yes, member.
1: Um, i have asked on the chat group who else needs to present uh, because the the program was not shared. Um, who else needs to present? Maybe you can just take us through so that as members we can focus on uh, Also, preparing ourselves as to who needs to present and who not going to present.
8: Um. <coughs> Thank you, member. The the MEC for social development is the last presenter. And then I will, after that, hand over to the deputy chairperson again. That's the last presenter. that is coming now.
1: Is the MEC for social development the one who's taking the floor now? Yes. Okay, no, that's fine. That's what I wanted to understand. Thank
8: you, member. Thank you. um acting premier you can continue uh, uh
7: thank you very much um, thank you very much uh um honourable uh, members uh, chair uh, thank you very much for uh, giving us uh, this opportunity. Uh, to engage uh, with you, uh, it's a process uh, that is helping us uh, a lot in terms of uh, the work that needs to be done. I think we have picked up. Uh, my apologies, using your phone, and now they are calling in, uh, disrupting uh, my presentation. Um. We, we, we have learned a lot from a uh, uh, previous preven- presentations of the first session. What was raised by um, the um, gender commissioner, Mayor, uh, Mutupi, the challenges that uh, she has picked up, uh, and a thorough work has been done uh, about uh, the first state uh, challenges, uh, the presentation by um, STATS SA, you will see that uh, in the chat I have requested that uh, we be sent uh, those uh, presentations so that we take them and make a a program of work to respond to uh, the issues that they have raised. They are an eye-opener. They are going to help us that we work in a much more better way. Uh, Chair, uh, I will... I, if you 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 agree, I will just uh, touch on the challenges and the highlights uh, of our work in the province. Because uh, chair, uh, the presentation of the Premier was not done in a slide form. Now I want to try to avoid reading this uh, long presentation that is not in a, a slide form. So I will talk to... To eat and and let me start by admitting okay, that uh, this is a long road. It's a long way in the landline. It's funny, see, Hanbe, for women to be fully uh, emancipated. At some mm-hmm. point we do well. At some point we regress. Uh, and we go back and strategize and soldier on uh, again. Why am I saying uh, at some point we we regress? Chair, um, in terms of gender representation at a higher level, a a, a political level, um, much as MEC uh, Treasury has appreciated that. We are having a woman premier, a woman speaker, a woman deputy speaker, uh, but at municipal level. Unfortunately, out of the 23 municipalities that we are having, um, of the 23 mayors, only 10 are women. And when we start, we start well. We start well uh, fighting for 50-50 representation, but along uh, the term, women uh, are being taken out. Uh, in the Free State, five women uh, were, were, were taken out and uh, they were replaced by men, five all in all. Uh, as we speak, let me touch a little about Northwest also, that is taking out four women as we speak uh, uh, now. I'm, I'm, I'm touching on the two because, Chair, you know what I want us to look at? We are also saddened by the fact that most of them happen in August month. It's as if there is a patriarchal agenda fighting against the women's uh, or the gender agenda, you know, because uh, in August month and during uh, 16 days of activism, uh, cases of uh, violence against women increase. Now, it's also said that in August month, where we are supposed to be taking stock and accepting more the gender agenda in terms of women representation. That's where we see the women's uh, representation going down. I think we should look critically into this thing and try to fight it and avoid it at at, at all times. Let me acknowledge uh, that uh, the presentation by the commissioner is challenging us. Is challenging us highly. Uh, Chair, of the 12 HODs that we have when I count in the DG of the province, we only have one woman as an HOD, which is uh, the HOD of the Department of uh, Social Development. Of the 12 C C. CFOs that we are supposed to be having in the province. We only have um, five women of uh, from the CFOs. So these are the things that are confirming that um, the presentation by Memotope is spot on. It says there are challenges. There are a lot of things that we need to deal with. And uh, we are taking note of that, and we will be uh, improving a uh, uh, chain. Um, now, of the five municip- of the twenty-three municipal managers that we are supposed to be having, uh, we are only having seven filled with uh, women. We have an opportunity to improve if we have the will to improve because currently there are five vacant posts of the municipal managers. We hope to improve from from the seven uh, to go to a, a much higher uh, number with those that are, are, are vacant because really we don't have a nice picture when it comes to women uh, representation. We take note uh, of that report of the gender commissioner, where it talks to municipalities, uh, not having mainstreamed uh, their plans, their programs, their budget, um, and their IDPs for 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 dealing with uh, uh, issues that are supposed to be focusing on gender issues. Now the MEC for Finance has already indicated that the Office of the Premier has appointed five uh, gender-focused people that are going to ensure that they play an oversight role on all uh, municipalities, on on all uh, uh, departments, so that we are able to ensure that uh, we we do much
1: more better. The way that they are going to going to focus on
7: all uh, seven uh, key priority areas of government: a capable and ethical developmental state, economic transformation and job creation, uh, education, skills, and health. Uh, Consolidating the social wage through reliable and quality basic services Um, uh, on on spatial uh, integration, human settlement and local government, social cohesion and safe uh, communities, uh, Chair, Uh, and the last one, uh, and the last one, uh, Chair, uh, where uh, is dealing with the... Um, Where's the seventh priority? But then all the seven priorities, they will be focusing, as, as they will be doing oversight, they will be ensuring that there is improvement uh, on all the seven key uh, priorities. And you will also take what STATSA has said, we will take what uh, the presentation of uh, the gender commissioner as we do this work. And we know that you will also be there to play an oversight on all of these issues that we we respond much more better. But, Chair, truly speaking, you know, uh, all uh, the women that are here, you know that the biggest fight is to fight the patriarchal mindset of our male colleagues that we are working with, for us to be able to do much more better than how we are doing dealing with. So that is also another fight that we are going and to engage ourselves with and ensure that uh, we win uh, on these things. Chair, on social uh, development, uh, response to gender-based violence issues, and ensuring that uh, we assert women uh, representation. Uh, I can just briefly say, because MEC machining from uh, the police has already touched on a lot of issues that the Department of Social Development is doing. All I can uh, say to you is that we have realized that through the NPO's we are just helping uh, women to be there and to work. But we are not really advancing them in terms of a economic upliftment, a true economic upliftment where they can be self-sustainable. With NPOs, they are still going to rely to government. So we are in a process of uh, checking the NPOs that we can turn into co-ops so that as they do, the social community work, but they should also be uplifting their uh, lives at the same time. Uh, For instance, the 46 uh, uh, CNDC community nutrition and development centers, which were known as um, feeding schemes. We are trying to ensure by all means that they are not just feeding schemes, but we build those women's capacity in other skills so that they can be economically uh, self-sustainable. We have taken a decision in the Department of Social Development that all the PPEs that are going to be be, uh, sought for the ECDs, we are going to use women co-ops to do uh, the masks and everything for uh, uh, our ECDs. We have taken a a decision that the the hands free sanitizers that we are going to buy for the ECDs are going to be done by people with disabilities. Uh, The co-ops of people with disabilities will be the ones uh, dealing with uh, those uh, um, um, uh, PPEs. On uh, gender-based violence and femicide, we have realized, Chair, the report is saying about the free state that um, the numbers decreased, but we don't believe that that is a true status, that the numbers decreased. We think that uh, many cases were not reported because a lot of police stations closed down during uh, this time of COVID. So we are following up on uh, that work and we are trying to improve. Uh, we are trying to encourage women to to report to the Office of the Premier, to report to the Office of Social Development, uh, and also to report to uh, the social network lines of the police when uh, the offices are closed due to COVID, when we are having a uh, challenges. Uh, We have had a lot of uh, challenges. We have uh, made a lot of uh, inroads in terms of working. We have ensured that 169 um, people are arrested that were abusing the child support grant. That's one of the good things that I I want to to report. Uh, The biggest challenge that we are having, Chair, is what is entailed in the report of the Gender Commissioner. No, uh, in in the report of the States SA, where they are showing that 21% of children are living in homes uh, that are, are not having either a mother, or both parents, which means it's child-headed households. And many of them that are vulnerable, we do not have centers that focus mainly on that challenge. And it is something that we have learned. It is something that we are dealing with. The other thing that we are trying to uh, find an intervention on with the minimal resources that we are having, all the people that are in the temporary shelters because of COVID-19, much as we have linked many of them with their families, but there are those that the families are refusing at all to take them uh, back home. So mm. we are sitting with that challenge. What is it that we are going to deal to do with them? And we are trying to, to set up, to extend uh, a shelter where we can take them and ensure that they are getting uh, skills training so that they can be able to go and stand up and, and, and do a life for themselves, Chair. Those are some of the things that we are trying to do in the province. Uh, thank you very much, Share. Let me not waste your time. Uh, thank you.
8: Thank you, Acting Premier, um um Deputy Chairperson. <clears throat>
0: Thank you very much, Honorable Gillian. Thank you very much also to the executive of the for the uh, <clears throat> for the inputs that they have made the presentations. We, we actually, I actually wanted to request the members of the NCOP that are locked in, whether they want to just make any observations, not, not for a long time, just for a few minutes. They can indicate to me whether they want to make some observations or should i call them by name so that we follow in that in that fashion those that want to can indicate those that do not want to it's fine honorable makause makause
1: thank you. thank you deputy chairperson of the national council of provinces and also thank you for allowing us as members of the ncop who are coming from other provinces to actually zoom into the free state and listen to what is happening. But I just want to make this observation, um, Deputy Chairperson, that we might be in the same house, uh, but we've got a completely different understanding of the topic in general after 26 years of democracy, listening to the presentations that has been made by both the commissioner, the Free State Provincial Government, it is extremely more focused on employment of women in top positions of which we believe that is not the crux of the matter. The matter is equality. Now, the input that we want to make from our side is that women across the country, particularly in the free state, are suffering with respect to women are subjected to only receiving grants child support grants, disability grants, and elderly grants. This is not what South Africans entrusted you with 26 years ago. South Africans entrusted you with their vote relating to, give us a better life. We were expecting to hear from all spheres of government and the entities which presented here today, the progress made in terms of how many people are employed, how many households are actually free, out of poverty, how many households are actually receiving free uh, health uh, um, care services. But as things stand, Honourable Deputy Chairperson, we are still faced in the same problems of women being sterilized without their knowledge, women's wombs being removed without their knowledge, women especially at the national hospital being admitted at maternity ward which do not have water. Butzabelo Hospital, Tabansu Hospitals, are even worse. What are we saying about that? Because this is actually what we should be speaking about today. We are not here to justify your issues as the governing party that some women are being removed from top positions. We are not here to listen to which cater should be deployed next to which top positions? We are here to listen to what best we can improve women's lives in South Africa, particularly the province that we are speaking to today. The psychiatric hospital in the Free State is faced with a huge challenge of COVID where nurses are resigning, where people are just infected with COVID-19. Yet we are quiet. The provincial government, together with the acting premier, are extremely quiet about what is happening in the free state. When we visit provinces and when we speak to such many issues, of equality, these are the type of issues that we need to hear. We hear about stories of women in the free state who are made to terminate pregnancies, not having any knowledge of what termination of pregnancy means. We hear about stories of the free state where The women are made to actually sterilize, but we don't hear about any program relating from the provincial government relating to education on such kind of issues. House chairperson have... Society or South Africans entrusted you with their votes 26 years ago to actually be dependent on child support grants, on disability grants? Have they said to you, this is what we want? Have they entrusted you to say, when you drive along the streets of mangawu alongside the, the road that will link you to the Eastern Cape. Have the women said to you, we want to live in such shacks. We want to live in such informal settlements where there's no water, where there's no proper sanitation, where our kids can be raped into these bushes. It is unsafe. Some of us, maybe you don't know, our constituency still remains mangawu. So we do visit our constituencies and we do speak to our people at the grassroots level. Provincial government of the free state, I listened to your presentation, but none of you spoke to the real issues that are affecting the people of the free state throughout. Police stations throughout the free state are being closed because of the infection of officers relating to COVID-19. Do
4: we have
1: PPEs in those police stations? No. Are those police stations equipped enough to actually deal with gender-based violence Hmm. issues? No. This is exactly that we want to hear Mm. when we visit the provinces. I can tell you today, if we don't see, there's absolutely nothing, no one that you, as a provincial government of the free state, are representing. Thank you, Deputy Chairperson of the NCOP.
0: It's it's just a pity, Honorable Macau in the free state, we spoke to all the districts. And the women came out very strongly with the issues that they feel that should be addressed by then. The, the, the issues is that we are now busy with a high-level engagement with the government. But we went in our engagement to all the districts. And the issues that you are raising was raised. For instance, in Upper Honda, the issue was raised of the police station that is not open 24 hours and things like that. So it is issues that have been raised. And we the, the mayors and the councillors attended that sessions in some of the emissaries. So it was issues that the women raised. And we actually, like you said, but we are engaging them for the first time and we are giving them the report. And also the we wanted the the, the gender commissioner to speak about the issues of equity and equality, particularly in terms of, of gender transformation within the administration. I, I I'm not Disputing what you are saying because it was raised by ordinary women. So you have raised the issues that is really what women want to speak about. So I I just I'm just mentioning it. It's really and so we are going to continue. Is there any other member you can speak? Because I don't know why my screen is dark now. Chair? Yes. your person who, who's my speaking? Screen. Machinini. No, I don't want to. I don't want you to speak, Honorable Machine. <clears> I want the members <throat> of the NC. Now, I just want. To, yes, yes, Honorable
8: Gilead. Thank you. You covered me um, by answering where the process are now, and maybe um, um, the member, um, as he said in previously, the, the program for the agenda was not flagged as it. She did not have that, so maybe that is why um, the member is referring back to certain issues. From my side, Chairperson, I think we've come a long way now to the (coughs) high-level discussions with the provincial governments, and I was very pleased to hear that the provincial government um, reps today here in the form of MECs and also the acting um premier was confirming that they still have a high and a long way to go but i am i i can honestly say Mm chairperson out of the discussions that we had so far with the different provinces i can also see that there is improvement and um The issues for me, um, deputy chair, is that we must come to a conclusion where we all agree that the review of the women's charter is long overdue. And by having this in the discussions with the different provinces, starting from the local government level, now that we are on the provincial level, I think at the end of the day, we must also agree that this will assist us in the review of the Women's Charter. Yes, there's still a lot to go and a lot to do, but at the end of all the sessions, Chairperson, I think we will come up with a review that as the previous um, uh, members stated correctly, Mm -hmm. that the issues that are raised and was raised In these discussions with the different provinces, especially on the local level, it has also given us the opportunity when we go back and review to look into all those issues. And we all, I think, all of us agree that for the, the equality of women in the country, We must now stand together as women, no matter from which political party you are coming from, but as women in this country, we must stand together and say, yes, the review of the Women's Charter is long overdue, but we have started the process and we're going to finish this process as women to make sure that the equality that all women in this country deserve will be taken up very speedily. And when we finish with this review, we'll come up with a good document. Thank you, Chair. Honorable Butler,
0: I take it you are Galaxy S5.
11: <coughs> yes, Chair. Thank you very much, Chair. Uh, good day to all the members, the premises my colleagues in the national parliament. Uh, I don't want to repeat, but I just want to say uh, I'm very much impressed since uh, the chart was only reviewed before 1994 and must be reviewed. Now, I think we can take these discussions also along with other discussions that previously was made by by the Free State. But I'm actually happy for the mere fact that uh, in the Free State, at least in the uh, cabinet, we do have female representation and also the mere fact that the premier is a woman. And we must say thank you. Uh, I think the commissioner states a lot of issues. But I just want to ask the commissioner, please, to take this thing of local governments, woman representation very serious, and also to take it back and to speak rather to provincial governments and local governments. But I'm also happy for the fact that the the MEC of Social Development said that they took on a lot of women with special needs, and they will, in the NGOs, make really, really time to take this woman on board because we know with a woman special needs we have problems and are not represented enough. And I'm worried about what the Premier said, not the Premier, sorry, what the MEC of, of, of Safety said about our women that's laid charges and make cases, and then at the end of the day, before this perpetrators can be brought to book, then they will draw the cases. I think the MEC must take that also very serious mm-hmm. because gender mainstreaming is a very serious matter. And I think the mere fact that we have a woman there also, and even the male, there's a lot of gender policies. There's a lot of national gender policies. And gender equality was never taken serious. So we can just, because there's a lot of things you can say, but the mere fact that the, the, the Deputy Chair said that there were already interactions with the provincial government and with the lower structures. Can I ask, ask the acting premier to take these discussions back, not for implementation now, because I'm also worried about the boy child. The MSU also mentioned issue of the boy child. It must also be educated. As much as we are talking about the gender-based violence, of women we must take our boy children on board and educate them also because i think it starts there deputy chair i'm not going to say a lot of things because the the previous uh previous speakers really covered me but also to ask the abc special of social development we know that there's a national policy that was never really implemented of social development it was it was implemented in the department but when it comes to terms of gender equality and the gender implications, we must really take that on board and please discuss it for the next time. Thank you very much, uh, Deputy Chair. Uh,
0: thank you, Honorable Member. Honorable uh, Anne Lutuli.
12: Uh, thank you, Deputy Chair, and greetings mm-hmm. to everyone. I My input on, on, on this is that when we speak of women in general, it should it should include every woman, including our domestic workers, our mothers at home, people with, living with disability, people who can't even read. Because at this stage, I don't think that we are doing justice to our women. Uh, we've been elected to go and represent them in higher structures, but I feel that we are not doing justice. Um, and if we are going to speak uh, about issues of women and we don't include all these women, then we are not doing anything. And uh, the previous speakers, I think they, they are all saying that um, there is so much that still needs to be done when, when you speak of women. We can have cases of um, a GPV, but before that case even goes to court, then a woman go and withdraw a case. It means that there's something wrong. Something is not being said correctly. To, to our women. Our women are not being taught enough about their rights. So I think we, we need to look deep in it and 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 when one raises a point, I think we shouldn't even politicize it. Because when you speak of women, I we, we shouldn't wear our our, our political caps. Uh, you know when you come from rural areas, you'll understand these things that uh, we find our mothers or our bra- our sisters being molested, being raped, but they don't know where to go to because when when they go to police stations, they will find men who will not understand, who will ask, how can your husband rape you? How can your boyfriend rape you? So we really need to look deep in it and, and not politicize it. Thank you. Thank you,
0: Honorable Lutule. I didn't see any other members indicating if you have... If you are not uh, uh, on the platform, can you just if you you can even just say if there is still other members that want to indicate before I also just want to make one or two observations. If none, then allow me then to to just give some homework for the for the for the executive of the free state. The first point, we hear that there is uh, more or less equity at the basis of the political representation. But it's still very much concerning. If we hear that in the free state administration, you still find departments where you only find about 26% of women representation. And that is from the bottom levels up until the executive levels in the administration. It is something that we want to send you back to make sure that you do some homework and to to find out how you can address it. The only department in the free state that we listened and we heard that is more or less on par was the premier's office, which means in terms of the administration, there is still a lot of work that needs to be done. And also in terms of the demographics of this country and of the free state province, it's something that was raised by the gender commissioner we would love to, in our, because we will ask the, the the committees of the NCOP and NA to follow up on this kind of issues with regard to gender transformation. We would also want to, <clears throat> and if I speak about demographics, I include uh, people living with, the, people with disabilities, we are including uh, women, and also the issue of, of, racial representation. I think free state, we have heard from the state SA particularly issues that is affecting women and children more like sanitation, electricity. At least there is a very, very high percentage of people that have access to it. But affordability is the issue that we will also want the, 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 the provincial government to look into it. Because many people have got electricity, but they cannot even afford to buy prepaid electricity to make to make sure that the lights are on. <clears throat> it is the it was the second issue, but also the the recommendations of the FFC, although it was recommended at a national level, but provinces and local government is the levels that it need implementation, and the issues of engendering our or gender responsive budgeting being institutionalized. It should start at the provincial level and it should also local government should be assisted to make sure I'm very impressed with the term of financial liberation, but how do you liberate someone that doesn't even have a cent to spend? So that is where we need to start to make sure that we make sure that people have got access to disposable cash, but it's another discussion at another level but it will assist us if we can actually ensure that we develop our people's ability to be able to liberate themselves from the shackles of poverty. I like I like that uh, that uh, idea, but we must make sure that we how we implement it is what is important. So I I also the other issue that I I thought that I need to to bring up is to request the acting premier as the MSC of social development. Is the issue of shelters for people that are that are victims of abuse? The issue of shelters. We would really request the committees to 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 re, to revert back to you to make sure that we address the issue of shelters not only for homeless people, but particularly that. And then something that the gender commissioner also raised was the safety of the victims of gender-based violence within that specific shelters that is there. So I am raising these issues for our uh, uh, executive at that level. And also one, uh, uh, Honorable Kapate, one issue with the FFT race is that let us begin to, and I know in your hands this is something that might possibly happen together with your premier that we identify any district where we begin to pilot gender by budgeting. It's a very, very sound proposal. And it's a proposal that we that can work in our provinces as long as we begin to identify. We heard that a, a district like Fazile Dabe is ready in terms of the kind of, of, of issues that they put in place. Why don't we pilot it to begin to be a pilot site for the free state? for for uh, gender-focused budgeting, for uh, gender-responsive budgeting. I'm just making that kind of proposal, but we don't want to take all the time. We ask other people to speak shorter, and then we take all the time. We don't want to take all the time. Let me just now, at this stage, express our appreciation for this very, very, informative and very, it was in actual fact, I am not someone that usually say easily something was good, but it was a good session because all of us could really hear things that will make us to think out of the box. But we could also hear that the executive at the level where you are are ready and you are prepared to address issues. The issues that was raised by Mayor County is issues that we are going to, make sure that we send you the report on the issues that were raised by the women at the local level when we engage them at the different districts. And we would want to have a response to the issues that were raised and the issues that we are going to give the report to. We, We already had a report that was ready. I'm sure it has been submitted. So we will then, in our daily engagement, but we are going, this is not a, an event. This is a project. After we have finalized the provinces that we have identified, we will then have a national engagement in some of the issues we will be able to give provinces to respond to as to how if we improve to address the issues that is important for the women at the grassroots level. With that said and done, I just want to express our appreciation and I want Mm -hmm. to thank the executive of the Free State I want to thank our partners and stakeholders like FFC, like the States SA, as well as the Gender Commission on Gender Equality, and also the legislature. We want to thank all of you, and particularly the members of the NCOP. Thank you very much for your attendance, and God bless. And stay safe, wash your hands, and sanitize, and make sure all of us unite in our action against the pandemic and against gender-based violence is a second pandemic that our women are struggling and living at the current moment. Thank you very much. Thank
5: you, thank you Chair.
7: Uh, thank thank you. you. Thank you very thank much, you, Chair. Chair, uh, chair we, you have due, we have here to chair about yes. uh, taking a district uh, and um, pilot Private. with it. Um, we appreciate all the... Uh, Presentations chair, thank you very much. Thank you very much.
0: God bless.
1: Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Honourable Gillian. Thank Thank you, you. Honourable Dongeni. Next time you will be next week you will be chairing one of the sessions.
9: (laughs) Honourable Lucas.
5: (laughs) I'm listening. Honourable Lucas. I'm listening. I'm listening. I saw when you came in. (laughs) Sorry, come with when you (laughs) (laughs) intervened. Can you do the first (laughs) thing you
9: want? Yeah, yeah,
7: yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 Thank you, thank you, bye. Bye. <laughs> you, bye
0: bye 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 uh, Killian. Killian. eh.